What's going on? Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside Pelicans.com writer Jim Meikenhofer. We wrap up this week with player recaps. We saved the best for last. I won't tell Joel Myers that because he was on earlier in the week, but Antonio <laughs> Daniels, Fox Sports television analyst, is here to talk about Lonzo Ball. AD, good to talk to you. We haven't talked to you since the end of the bubble. How are things with you? I am awesome. It's a little bit hot down here in San Antonio, but I can't complain. It's good to see you guys. What's up, Daniel? What up, Jim? What's going on? Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see you guys, too. And it's very hot here as well um, in New Orleans. But we did want to talk about Lonzo Ball today, Dean. Perfect for you to be on just from your experience as a guard in the NBA for so long. Um, let's let's start with how Lonzo Ball finished in the bubble because I feel like he got a bad rap. And he admittedly said that, you know, he didn't play well in the bubble. But I feel like a lot of people are – summarizing his season based on those eight games. I feel like that's unfair. Um, how would you describe Lonzo Ball's first season with New Orleans? Um, as growth. That's how I see it, which is um, what you would kind of expect from a young point guard. And obviously we get an opportunity to see what a lot of people don't. Um, what, what I mean by that is regardless as to how you view the first season for Lonzo Ball, I'm going to view it different because I'm on the, the, the inside and I get an opportunity to see things. I'm at practice where I get an opportunity to see him being one of the first ones there working on the shot. And after practice, seeing him and Brandon Ingram being the last ones to leave working on his shot. When we're on the road, going down to the lobby and seeing him, Brandon Ingram and Fred Vincent at every stop that we go to going in the day before games to get shots up. So for me, I recognize the work ethic because I see it. I'm not just seeing the tree. I'm seeing the roots, and I'm also seeing the seed that is being planted. So regardless as to how you may feel about Lonzo Ball's first season, I will say this with confidence that I know he has a long way to go. The best is yet to come, but his work ethic, his work ethic what people don't get an opportunity to see. If you see the progression from his jump shot as far as the fundamentals go, as far as the mechanics go, this is a completely different basketball player, not with the, just the change of scenery, not with the change of jump shot, not with the change of confidence, but just overall. So I am not going to – I'm not going to say not put too much into this season because it's obviously important, but we have to understand this season is different. So for Lonzo Ball to come into New Orleans, this is a great situation for him, and then there to be a hiatus, a four-month hiatus. And think about how he was playing when the hiatus hit. And then to come back after that four months off and be expected to pick up right where you left off as far as confidence is concerned for a young NBA point guard, that's tough to do. Do you think there's a lot more pressure on him because of his status coming out of UCLA, number two pick? Yeah. Uh, you know, he was thought, you know, everyone was going to – how much of an impact he'd have early on. But, at the you know, he was 19 years old when he entered the league. And I feel like there was a lot of maybe unfair pressure put on him. Do you feel like that pressure was, was still put on him even when switching teams? Yeah, but, but I think the pressure a lot comes from not just from his draft status, but a, a lot from his dad. And some of the things that LeVar has said in the past, that brings – like, you think about this. What have we ever heard Lonzo say? Nothing. What have we ever heard – you know what I mean? Like, even even though we see him every day and, and we have, um, you know, someone of a relationship with him, he is extremely quiet. So it's not like he's up there talking himself up and doing so on and so forth. I think a lot of the pressure that came from Lonzo and the eyes that are on him, I mean, you think, it's a lot of guys. 
that are drafted in Lonzo's position. But it's very rare that you're drafted in Lonzo's position in a place where you grew up in that market. With the Los Angeles Lakers, with Showtime, and then Magic Johnson coming out and saying, we are giving the keys of this franchise to Lonzo Ball after he played one year of college basketball. Think about the pressure that comes along with that. You know, being a young man that's one year removed from prom, and now they are saying, here, take the keys to this franchise. We are going to go where you take us. With yeah. this position in the NBA, this is the most difficult position to have, especially as a young player, because it's not just about you. It's about everybody else on the floor as well. So the thing about Lonzo, I don't think the attention that he got came from him. It came from other people outside of him that were speaking on him. That's a good point. And before I get to Jim and his questions, I do have one for you about just the vision. Let's go on the court with Lonzo and just the vision that he has on the court. And when I noticed it, how many half court, three quarters of the court passes he had the Zion. I mean, who does that remind you of as far as just having that vision and that awareness with those passes that he was able to connect with Zion, you know, on a night-to-night basis when they both were healthy? Um, does that remind you of anyone or just how special does that show what type of player he's capable of being? With me, it reminds me a lot, the vision aspect, um, the ability to put the ball where it needs to be on time and on target reminds me of Jason Kidd and also with Steve Nash, both of those guys. You know, both of those guys, their vision was incredible. It's one thing to see. It's another thing to see and have the skill set available to put the ball where it needs to be. A lot of us may be able to see that pass, but everybody can't make that pass. And Lonzo Ball has the ability to see it and make it. There's the thing. Once Lonzo's confidence catches up with his skill set, he is going to be a problem. Because what happens is when you come into this league, your confidence goes like this. Your skill set is what it is. We've seen what he can do. He's put in the time. He's put in the work. He's put in the energy and the effort to become a much better NBA basketball player. Now he has a better understanding of the game. When that confidence, because he has prepared himself for the moment, catches up with his skill set, he is going to be a problem every single night. AD, I know you just mentioned a little earlier about the pressure that was on Lonzo when he came into the NBA. I remember Magic Johnson also said that he looked forward to, and this was at the press conference, I think, before, right after Lonzo had been drafted. Magic said, I look forward to being able to see his jersey up in the rafters in right. the Center, which, I mean, that's a ton of pressure. But what I wanted to ask you, too, is um, how much of your own experience of being, you know, a high lottery pick coming in as a point guard, can you kind of relate to the, maybe not necessarily Magic saying that your jersey is going to be retired, but just – the pressure of the experience that you had of coming in, getting picked that high and having to adjust at that position to the NBA. The thing is, I, I can relate to the position. Um, and when I speak on Lonzo Ball, I, I'm not just speaking from opinion. I'm thinking, I'm speaking from experience sure. and what I went through. And, but the biggest difference between me and Lonzo Ball, I had an opportunity to go through four years of college. He mm. went through one year of college. So even after four years of college, I can honestly look at both of you guys and say, when I came to the NBA after four years of college and being the number four overall pick, there was a lot that I wasn't prepared for. There was a lot that I didn't understand. If I can go back and do anything, as a high lottery pick, I would want to go back and possibly sit more than I played my rookie year and learn through vision as opposed to being baptized and thrown in the fire and learning that way. And with Lonzo Ball, it's in, in – pressure that came along not just being the high pick but also being the high pick in 
with a franchise that you have watched your whole life in a, a city that you have grown up in. Think about that. Like, if there was a if there was a NBA team in Columbus, Ohio, and I got drafted to that team, the amount of pressure that comes along with that alone, after only one year of of experience, and just what people expect out of you, there is so much that comes to playing this position at this level, at an elite level, at elite level. And Lonzo has it. He has it. He has the he has the sight. He has the vision. He has the skill set. Like I said, once that confidence. And that skill set aligned with one another, you will see things really, really start to fall in place as far as consistency goes for Lonzo Ball. You know, that, that leads me to really, um, what do you think? It might be hard to answer this in, in less than five minutes, but I mean, what do you think are the toughest adjustments that you had to make and a guy now has to come in, has to make when they come in as a point guard? It just seems like there's so many. Um, so what do you think is, how, how would you describe that, that whole challenge that you face? The way I think about it in a, take it out of the basketball realm and put it into the real world realm, okay? So people can more relate to it. It's equivalent to you getting hired in a new job and you walking into your new position and you're telling someone that's been there 10 to 15 years who they should be their job. That's really hard to do. But in turn, if they don't do their job correctly, it comes back to you because you're supposed to lead them from day one. That's the point guard position, equivalent to the quarterback position in the NFL, the amount of pressure that comes along with that. I'll never forget my rookie year, my coach at the time, Brian Hill, told me, the way the team plays when you're on the floor, I'm not looking at anybody else but you. Think about that. So if there's a guy that's been in this league for 10 years, there's a guy that's been in this league for 12 years whose goal or whose vision doesn't align with yours or who's in the wrong place with the play that you are trying to run and execute, you have to tell him where to go and where to be because it all eventually ends up coming back to you as a point guard. And think, of, this is after four years of college. I struggle with that. And Lonzo Ball, think about that for him after one year of college. So it's an incredible amount of pressure, like I said, that comes along with running that position and being the best version of yourself. Sure. I wanted to kind of quickly go back to some late 90s and early 2000s basketball. When you first came into the league, who were some of the guys that you looked at and you were like, man, this, this is going to be a real tough assignment at point guard? Oh, my gosh. It was, for me, it wasn't just point guard because I was a combo guard. Like, I guarded multiple um, position from Michael Jordan to Kobe Bryant to Allen Iverson to Stephon Marbury to Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady. You know, you think of some of the best scores and guys to ever play this game, and I was blessed with the opportunity to match up with those guys. LeBron James, you know, it, it, it's – um that's the best thing about this league. Yeah. That is the best – and I say all the time, like, TV doesn't do guys justice. It doesn't give guys justice. You know, when you actually see and play against LeBron James and you see how big, strong, and explosive he really is, Shaquille O'Neal, how truly dominant that man was on the floor. Allen Iverson, how fast he was with the basketball. He was faster with the ball than guys were without it. You know, so it, it, it's, it's weird, but it's also awesome. 
you know, to now look back at a 13-year career and realize I had pictures of playing against Jordan and pictures of playing against Kobe Bryant and and all these other greats of the game. And just to have an opportunity to match up with those guys on a night-to-night basis, the best in the world. Last thing for me before I kick it back to Daniel, um, how much of – I know that there's been so much talent in the guard spot for years and years in the NBA, but – when you look at the challenge that a point guard like Lonzo has or anyone across the league, especially a young guy, how much of, a, of, of that challenge is just, the, just the, how talented that position is? It seems like there's 15, 20, 25 guys in the, across the league at starting point guard that you can't if – you, if you have a night off where you're not there mentally, there no you're, off. Right, you get destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, th- th- there is no night off in this league, to, especially in today's game because I honestly feel like – the league has never been more skilled than it is now. It's never been more skilled across the board. You have players in today's NBA that are doing things that players back in the day weren't doing because the game has evolved. But the point guard position, in my opinion, is the most legal position in, in the league today. Every single night. You got Kyrie Irving. You got James Harden, Russell Westbrook, um, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard. You can go down the line. Kyle Lowry. Go down the line, Kemba Walker, every single night you are matched up against someone. Think about it. Like, in the Western Conference alone, let's just eliminate the Eastern Conference. C.J. McCollum has averaged 20-plus points over the last six seasons, and he's yet to be an NBA All-Star. Mike Conley, think about how great his resume is as an NBA basketball player in the Western Conference, yet to be an NBA All-Star. This yeah. serves and shows you how truly strong the point guard position or guard position is in general in the league, but overall in the Western Conference as well. And speaking of point guards and guards, before I let you go, there was some news this morning about a new head coach in Brooklyn and a guy named Steve Nash who joins the company of some other point guards and guards that have had no assistant coaching experience that are now jumped right into the head coaching as you talk about Steve Kerr. We talk about Jason Kidd. You even go all the way back to Doc Rivers with Orlando that didn't have any assistant coaching experience. Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson as well. What do you what do you think of the Nets going with Steve Nash there? Um, I, that really surprised me, but I think it's a great hire. The thing is, like, there's there's nothing more important that we have in life than relationships. That's the most important thing that we have, whether vertical or horizontal. There's nothing more important than the relationships that we keep. We have to understand the resume off the floor that Steve Nash has built up to this point. You know establishing a relationship with Steph Curry when he was in Golden State also becoming very very close to Kevin Durant that's huge in this situation so now you, he knows Steve, uh, he knows Sean Marks the relationship that they have with one another so in today's league it's about it's a copycat league it's a blueprint league so you look at the success of Steve Kerr and what he's done when he's had the opportunity to step into a really, really good position. And now what you're saying is you're hoping that Steve Nash's ability to think on the floor as far as his knowledge and IQ of the game can now translate to the locker room to get the best out of a championship squad that he's now acquiring. It should be interesting. Uh, Definitely a ripple effect uh, throughout the coaching league now uh, with the Pelicans looking for a coach and other teams too. So uh, definitely a surprise this morning, but I figured no better person to ask than you on him and also on Lonzo Ball. This was a great discussion as we continue our recaps with Lonzo Ball today. Antonio, I really appreciate the time. I know we got to see each other last month. Hopefully we get to see each other sooner rather than later, but 
Enjoy the off season, my friends. Stay safe and say hello to your family for us, please. For sure. You too. You guys be blessed. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Jim. All right. Thanks, thanks, Antonio. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Keep in mind, this will end this week's player recaps. Next week, we start off the week with, how about this, Villanova head coach, Jay Wright, talking about Josh Hart. So we'll have a big week for you next week. We'll round out with Jay Wright. We'll end up with Will Guillory and also from Tommy Alter, who will talk about J.J. Reddick, his podcast co-host. So uh, another great week. We'll wrap it up next week, but I'll wrap it up for this week of Player Recast. Big thanks to Jim again and Antonio Daniels. So until next week, I'm Daniel Sowers, and thanks for listening to the Pelican Podcast presented by Seaton.